Hey, Andy Grammer here, and you are listening to the Good Parts Podcast. Tell me your story, but don't leave the good parts out. Episode 10, Jillian Michaels. Uh, but before we get into this, there's a, quite a bit to talk about before we do that. Has anyone been seeing what I've been doing with these text messages? It's completely insane and a freaking blast. And so many of you that we overlap um, just in my life and in this podcast and it shows. So let's talk about it for a second. I gave out my phone number and everyone's been texting me and it's unbelievable. And I'm doing my very damn best to text every single one of you back. So if you want to be a part of this game, the number is 323-329-6227. That's 323-329-6227. And basically, um, I will send you back I like go on from time to time. I look at it. I try to find, I open my phone in this thing and I try to go text you all as much as I possibly can. Like somebody asked for a wedding shout out and I totally did it. Shout out my phone, send it off to him. Somebody asked for like, oh, I'm in the hospital with my mom. I sang her mom a little song, sent it back. I mean like short little videos. A lot of times I just literally on my phone, I'm just texting people back saying like, I love this song. And I text you back in text like, oh my God, I love you. Thank you so much, Jamie or whatever. But also... I did, I've been doing something in Sacramento where I texted out all of California. Like if anybody's near Sacramento, I'm going to get donuts in an hour at Krispy Kreme. And we actually like shut down the Krispy Kreme and we bought out all the donuts. So apologies to anyone who was in Sacramento that couldn't get donuts that night. But I'm going to be doing a lot of fun stuff like this. So please text that number, be a part of it. Uh, what we have coming up next week, uh, like as of when I drop this, this Saturday coming after this, you're listening right now on Monday. We're going to be doing a, a live podcast with one of my best friends, and you guys are really going to like him. He's a pretty famous dude who's just also inspiring and incredible and like a heart, heart friend. So I'm going to send out the ability to buy tickets to that over text first before I give it to anybody else. Um, it's really fun. And I, a lot of you have been texting me about the podcast, which is awesome. So uh, I look forward to that. Also coming up, oh yeah, let's just get into it. This is Jillian Michaels. She is... Uh, She's a force. Holy shit. She's like, she, she's, she's helped so many people lose massive amounts of weight. It's like the, like an enormous change in their life. Um, her, we shared a tour manager. She used my tour manager who is with me now used to tour, tour manage Jillian Michaels. And he talked about their meet and greets and he said people would just come up and just ball and hold her and thank her for, for like changing their lives. So, um, this is a pretty inspiring, incredible lady. And uh, we got into it like we do in, in a lot of different ways, but the deep stuff at the later end of the episode is really, really special. So I love you all. Get into it. Episode 10. This is such a cool place. Oh. How long have you been here? We bought this house. Oh, fuck. That's a story. We bought this house, I want to say... Maybe eight years ago now. Yeah. We were living in the city at the time and we had rented a little house on the beach. And when I say we, I mean my partner Heidi and I and loved it. It was super cute. And it, it's like a sea level beach. Like the sure. Uber rich and famous don't live here. Yeah. Um, and everybody who lives here is like a lifer, a local, very totally. chill. So Heidi, after about a year, turns around. I was like, look, the lease is coming up on this place. What do you want to do? And she's I was like, do you want to live in the city? Oh, sorry. That's my other dog. That's, I was like, I love your do you dog. want to live in the yeah. city or do you want to live at the beach? I want to live at the beach. 
We look and look and look. We buy this house. I get permits to redo the house. It takes me five years to get permits, maybe for two years to redo the house. Yeah. So it hasn't been redone that long. And in the process of redoing the house, she tells me she wants to buy a farm. Okay. <laughs> so I have a farm 20 minutes away. Best of both worlds. Yeah, farm, and I was, farm, like, beach. I was like, no, you're going to fucking yeah. love this peach house. Amazing. I was like, you are going to whistle zippity doo dah every time you walk in that front fucking door. You are going to be the happiest of it. And, and needless to say, I bought our farm. We are staring out of the ocean and it's Yeah, which it's is where she is right now. It's so gorgeous. And so this has become like my daytime office yeah. kind of. That's yeah. how I, you know, plus I can't sell it. So that's there you go. Well, I just I tried for two years. I couldn't get rid of it. So I'm like, fuck it. It's um, my man cave, woman yeah. slash man, whatever. I just want to say thank Gender you so much for, anyway. uh, for coming on this. We're, I'm so psyched to have a conversation with you. Oh, I've been God, in Jillian world for the last little bit here. Just oh, like, you're so cute. Uh, learning about you. I, I mean, I know you from uh, the TV show and from different stuff, but I've, I really find you to be a very inspiring person. It's really incredible. You're so sweet. So, like you have a fire about you. You think? Yeah. Like, do I think more like you're, a mania? Yeah, yeah, but there's like a, there's like an engine that is very apparent uh, in most things that I've seen of you, and I'm wondering like was that there from day one or t- like tell me a little bit about so this is, I want to hear your story. I'm excited That's an to hear about question. your story. Um, Did you start out that way? Do you remember as a kid were you just like ready to go, always fiery? I would say no, and I, I think that this is partly where you can turn um, experiences. I'm so sorry. It's okay. We're a, we're are a you, dog are you okay? Podcast. All right, totally. I apologize. Right, yeah. I thought that being at this house instead of the other house, we'd have peace and no. quiet, and it's even worse. Wait till the birds it's start like those screaming. Hotels that are like dogs allowed, hundred percent dogs okay, allowed perfect. on my podcast. Yes, good because that's where you are right yeah, now. Okay, good. Um, so uh, this is where I like to take maybe experiences in life that were not optimal, right? But if you can bring a meaning to them, then you can transcend and turn whatever was hard or upsetting in your life into something positive, wisdom, depth, empathy, strength. And, you know, in my childhood, it was, it was the era of the ice storm, which isn't going to make a ton of sense. I don't know if you ever saw that movie. Era of the ice storm. The movie by Ang Lee called the ice storm. Okay. And it's basically a generation of kids that were really kind of like latchkey kids. And so at that time, I was an only child for many years. My brother um, wasn't born until I was 15 and a half. And I just kind of was left to my own devices, which I think to a certain extent is good in that you really learn. You have to depend on yourself. Sure. But if you can work your way out of the negative sides of that, right, where you can open yourself up and learn to be vulnerable too as you get older, which mm-hmm. was, was really hard for me and still kind of is, but I'm, I feel like I'm getting better. So the good thing is I'm extremely self-sufficient and I'm very driven and I learned like I take care of me, I can take care of me. And when you say like left your own devices, just a lot of time alone or like emotionally left your own devices or like. You know, my mom was there when it like my parents got divorced when I was 13 and Mm -hmm. so my mom went through a lot and what have you. But it was very much like a sink or swim kind of generation. You know, it was very much like you're on your own. Like, I was on my own at 17. Yeah. Nowadays, you know, a lot of the yeah, kids I know intense. are living yeah. at home. Like, 24, 25, they're living with their parents. Almost all of them. And I get it. I know rent is expensive. I, I get it. I totally understand. It was just a different time. Like, a lot of my friends were out at 16, 17. And it was like, good luck. God bless. Hope it, hope it works out. 
And I wouldn't do that with my kids. Yeah. I would find a really nice happy medium where they don't get too far behind the eight ball. Cause if that happens, you know, bad things can happen. And you know, but you also don't enable them to not be self-sufficient. Sure. So luckily I, I got away with a lot, a lot of trouble. I should have gone in and I dodged <laughs> a lot of bullets and, um, and I became very self-sufficient and driven because it was like, well, A, I have something to prove. And B, I learned how to kind of depend on myself. So that was a lot of the positive that that did come out of it. And there's always, you know, there's good and bad with everything. And, and was that the childhood, was that, when did you get into martial arts? I saw some of that. So I got into martial arts when I was 13. And I was very much, that was right around the time my parents were getting divorced. And I was the bullied kid, the fat kid. Gay kid didn't know I was the gay kid. Yeah, and this was before, you know, your generation is like, so what? You know, it's just very different. different. For me, it was like dykes and fags and, you know, gay is gross. And I thought gay was gross. I was so homophobic. I had no idea what was going on with Whoa. me because it just wasn't even acceptable to think maybe possibly could you be. Sure. So... I just was very much like the loser, the loner, the bullied, picked on kid. And my mom did have the foresight to get me into martial arts. And that's really where I found a home because there was an environment of people that were like big brothers, a lot of guys, a lot of guys, a sure. um, couple of women. But I found a place where I could be myself and I, I learned how strong I was. And I really developed a philosophy for fitness that is not about I mean, sure, look, I mean, I'm as vain as the next person. Flat abs are awesome and, you know, so is a tight ass. Like, that's great. Love it. But for me, I learned first that when I felt strong physically, I felt empowered in the other aspects of my life. And mm. I was given a sense of accomplishment. And when people say, like, oh, love yourself more, believe you're capable, believe you're worth it. Well, that's really easy shit to say. But how do you shift your mindset when you don't have a reality You've lived that's evidenced you are capable, strong, and so on. And fitness was that for me. It showed me how strong I was and what I was capable of doing. And it transformed my self-image and my self-worth. And that's really what became my avenue to help other people because it helped me so much. Yeah, it's awesome. I always wanted it to be music, though. That's what's so interesting because for me, I have loved music my entire life. Can't sing, can't dance, can't play an instrument, nothing. And music to me was always the great uniter of people. Yeah. It's the one thing that you could bring people from all walks of life together in the same room and they would just get the fuck along. Totally. And identify over a love of the music and the way that artist made them feel and it would bring them together. And so what's interesting is I had no talent for music, but I thought... All right, what is it that I love so much about music? How can I take what I'm good at and bring about that same emotion of trying to kind of unify people in a quest for being healthier and happier? But see, I, well, music to me is where it's at. I think when I hear you talk about it, it, it had to be, to, to, to be so big, you're like huge, right? There, I just mean, I don't mean huge in like, oh my God, you're so famous. I just mean like, the, like all the facets of what you, what you do and what you've built is like really big. And I think that the when you simplify it all the way down to like what it is, it's this idea of um, not just getting fit, right? Like, no, that's yeah. what I, that's what that's what's so cool. It's about being strong. Um, and what's kind of interesting is that it's totally antithetical to the majority of what you see 
in social media. Although there are some, there are some incredible fitness experts that I have fallen madly in love with on Instagram and YouTube. But a lot of it is like, here's a picture of my ass. Tell me you like it. Yeah. And the whole point of fitness is that you don't care if anybody like, yes, I know. Yes. So, you know, I'm, I'm really hoping we kind of shift back into that place of not needing that external validation because that was originally the entire point. Okay, so you figure this out about yourself that you're super strong. How, what's the, how, then, then what? Well, immediately, well, imme- so immediately the next day, <clears throat> I remember I walked into junior high and I was looking for a fight. You like wore your, back, your black belt. <laughs> totally like, I was only a second degree blue belt. <laughs> okay. But I was like, I'm going to kick someone's ass today. Totally. Because I had like, uh, had my second degree blue belt test and I broke these two boards with a sidekick and I thought I was fucking <laughs> Bruce Lee, the female version of Bruce Lee. And uh, it was interesting because no one said shit to me. Nobody said a word. There was no comment about my nose being big. I had my nose fixed when I was 16. No, not one comment. No comment, no dyke, no fat noises, you know, like moo sound, nothing. Zero. That had happened before. So, all the time. Mm. And I was so pissed. <laughs> I was like, what? why? And I realized, and I waited, you know, all week long, and I would, and nothing happened. And I talked to, I talked to my karate teacher about it. He's like, well, first of all, you don't get to walk into school and punch somebody's face in. I thought we've talked sure. about that. And second of all, it was the way that I was carrying myself, right? And I began to understand that I suddenly had respect for myself. And a bully usually is somebody who feels insecure and they don't feel strong. So they seek to gain power over somebody else and they seek out people who are weak in order to do so. And I was carrying myself in a different way and clearly felt very differently. And I put that message out and nobody really, it just stopped. And it just, it just stopped overnight. So as time went on, you know, I, I began I lived my life, I grew up, I changed, I lost weight, I got in shape and what have you. But when I was 17, I was training for my black belt and people would come up to me in the gym and I was delivering like barbecue and pizza. There were these two restaurants side by side in a strip mall and I was like an employee (laughs) of both. And one day, one night I would deliver pizza and the next night I would deliver barbecue. And I would train at the gym during the day and I was trying to make money and people come up to me and they thought I was a trainer so they'd say like, oh, you know, how much do you charge? And I first I was like, um, for what? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, to, oh, to work you out. Oh, okay. And my mom, thank God, had the foresight to say like, I think you need some sort of credential. Like you can't just go. <laughs> yeah. Can't just go do this. And she paid for my first little training certification. And, you know, to make a very long story short, I really pursued it from that point forward. Had a brief period in my 20s where I thought I needed a real job. Never made less money, never been more miserable. Got back into training. That was the agent. That was the, yes. What were you you an agent of? My God, I was a motion picture packaging agent at ICM, which is one of the top talent agencies. They're now my agency. Packaging like Putting movies together from top to bottom. So what you would do is I started out as a PA on a TV show, got a job in commercial endorsements at ICM, worked my way into the training program uh, worked my way onto a motion picture lit desk, which are screenplays, right, for, for movies. Worked my way into the packaging department. Worked my way into getting promoted and then worked my way into getting fired with my attitude problem. So you were really good at it. 
Well, if I hadn't, if I hadn't uh, rubbed a couple people the wrong way, I, I, I was fairly good at it. But what you would do is you would take a script and you would attach agency talent to it and then you would go seek funding. Got it. So for example, Gangs of New York was an ICM package. So it was a passion project of Leonardo DiCaprio, Martin Scorsese. They needed extra funding, even though I think the project was actually at Miramax. Um, and what we did was we went to Graham King at IEG and he financed uh, the for the foreign distribution right it's boring as hell but basically that's what that's what uh, what's in- intriguing to me about that is that you're 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 already successful and then you make a decision to kind of blow that up well to then go do something did you have an inherent feeling that you weren't living your purpose okay i knew i wasn't happy but i kept thinking to myself like all right it's just cuz i'm not successful enough okay you know when I'm when I'm my own boss, when I'm not an assistant, okay, when this happens, okay, when that happens. But the, the problem is that the people, which I really think, you know, you're you're starting to see, you know, Hollywood is very sanctimonious. It's like, sure. oh, we're such great people. Meanwhile, you know, you've got the head of Sony and one of the biggest producers in town making racist jokes about the president. Like, sure. that's really what a lot of those people who are behind the scenes uh-huh. are like. Not Not very nice people, like, You've seen the whole Me Too thing. Sure. It's all very real. You yeah. know, a lot of people that are on a high horse and incredibly unhappy and not very kind. And so, you know, I kept thinking I was going to get to this place where I'd be immune to it. And I ended up getting myself caught in a situation between two very powerful agents. One of them used to be my boss, and I hated the guy. He was the scum of scum. And he had embezzled a packaging fee. And I knew that he had done it, right? And I I didn't say a word, and he was about to renegotiate his talent agreement, and he was going to take all his clients to another agency, and he had very big clients. And the head of the department who had promoted me came to me and was like, tell me what happened. And I told him, and I was fired on Monday. Got it. The other guy renegotiated his contract, and I was blackballed, not just fired. No one would touch me with a 10-foot pole. And it was the worst day for my ego and the best day for my soul. Yes, so, I mean, I, I put a stick of dynamite in that thing. I should have shut up. Now, uh, I don't want to get too weird, but no. is, is that uh, an accident? Do you believe no. that, 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 like, there's, there's I universal, know why there's I universe things? Are there, like, is it like you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing? Let me help you. No, I know why I did it. And it was, it was a really historical thing from my childhood of, like, you're a bad guy and, you know, life is not fair and you deserve to be busted, which... You know, I've learned how to manage those impulsive emotions, not always perfectly, you know, but when we look back at, at our childhood and the way we sabotage ourselves, like very fortunately, there was some serendipity involved and it was not totally. what I was meant to be doing without yeah. a doubt. And, you know, I got forced back into training because I couldn't pay my bills. And, you know, then I had another epiphany when I had a client call me and she felt her hip bone for the first time in eight years after having a baby and she was crying because she'd lost weight and, you know, good tears, tears of joy. And I was like, all right, obviously this is what I was meant to do. How do I make a living at it? So I was blessed to have it be serendipitous, but I really screwed the pooch. I should have shut the fuck up. You know, there are times where it's like, hey... You don't need to stick your nose into this mess. Sure. And I, I believe me, I've made a lot of mistakes in my career doing that kind of thing. You know, where you're like, I'm going to, I'm going to show you when really you just, it's like, you don't need. Let it go. Let it go. 
You know, it's not about you. It's not because of you. And if there was one thing I could say to younger generations that are coming up in their career, it's like pick your battles and make sure that it's going to get you closer to where you want to go or that it's doing the right thing for the right reasons or will actually help somebody or something. Because this just was like, yeah. a, I told you so. You know, but it's also the best thing that ever happened to you. It was. Right? Like That's, that's what I'm fascinated by. Is like, do you, do you believe in, <laughs> is there a... Is there a purpose at play? Is there like somewhat of a destiny vibe or not? Yes and no, because here's the thing. You could say yes, but there are mistakes that opportunities that I screwed up that potentially would have gotten me closer to where I wanted to be as well. And it's tough to say. Like, I mean, I had nonstop fights with the producers on Biggest Loser. Yeah. I, and the network. Let's go real quick. How do you get there? Well, so ironically... Best firing that ever happened to you. Best firing that ever happened to me. Up for debate, whatever. Right. Okay. Then you go back to... I go back to training. Okay. And I suddenly I'm making a good living again. I'm happy to go to work. I like my life. But I'm thinking to myself like, all right, I'm 20, I think I was 27. And I, I was like, how do I make a living, a life doing this? And so I looked at other people who'd built brands. And at the time it was celebrity trainers. That was where it was at. And I thought, okay, to make a long story short, all the people that had been at ICM used to come to me for fitness advice. They ended up coming to my gym. I ended up Mm. opening my own gym and my own sports medicine facility. And I had physical therapists and physiatrists and chiropractors that worked for me, but I worked under them. (laughs) And I had clients that believed in me so much that they gave me the opportunity my parents never did. They funded my business. I don't know why they would have done it but I managed to pay it all back and then some, but they were flat out angel investors. They gave me the money to start it. So I had this gym and this whole business. And then one of my clients who was an agent at ICM said, Hey, I heard about the show and I didn't, I hated the name of it. I didn't want to do it. I <laughs> Wait, hated reality note. TV. We're, we're, uh, is gaining a celebrity to train equivalent to like a hit as a musician? It was at that time. And, and who was your hit? Um, God, I had like Amanda Pete, yeah. who was, she was huge at the time. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, Sarah Paulson, who was not so big at the time. And, um, I had like, a, I'm trying to remember cause I didn't really ever get my foot. I like, I had, oh, Vanessa Marcel. Mm-hmm. Um, I had like some, but it was a lot of smoke and mirrors. And I initially I lost the first job that I went up for, which I had wanted, which was a VH1 show called Flab to Fab. And I liked the title better. And here's, here's serendipity for you. Didn't get that job. And I was so close. I thought for sure I was getting it. I tested the hosts and everything on camera. And, you know, when I pulled myself together and, you know, picked my ego up off the floor and I was like, just, can you tell me like, what did I do wrong? And they were like, well, we like you and everything, but you know, our audience is more like, you know, the 30-year-old soccer mom, which VH1, you'd never think so at the time. And, you know, you got a lot of celebrity clients, which a lot of it was like smoke and mirrors. Oh, interesting. And we don't know how relatable that is. And this is what you get for not being true to yourself, right? Mm. So I didn't get the job, thank God, because I would have been under contract with VH1 when Loser came up. That show lasted two seasons. No one's ever heard of it. Biggest Loser went on for years and years and years. And I went in and I was like, okay, here's my soccer mom. You know, here's my, you know, traveling business guy. Here's my 70-year-old with spinal stenosis. And I got the job. I'm excited to talk a little bit about reality TV because I was on Dancing with the Stars. You were? Yes. And it was 
So awesome. You really? So intense and then so strange. Okay. Overall, the best. No. But but like reality TV in general is like, it's this mix of the sacred and the unsacred. That yeah. You're like always bouncing back and forth between that I would imagine yeah. when you're doing something like helping someone lose 100 pounds, you're like totally there for them, but you also need this shot. <laughs> I, would, yeah. I don't know. Is that how it was? It Reality TV, I I don't watch it. I've never watched it. I think it is born of the devil. <laughs> Let's make some. And the I right and the irony <laughs> that I ended up on it at a time, by the way, when it couldn't have been more nefarious with things like The Swan, which again is probably way before your time, but it was a show where they would make people over with plastic surgery. It was just creepy as hell, and I was extremely reluctant to do it. And um, you know, my my friend, who was my agent, was like. Listen, it's the opportunity of a lifetime. It's prime time, you know. And I had thought, oh, all right, I'm going to grow my gym business. I thought we were going to be like a Curves because Curves was sure. huge then. And I was like, all right, I'll franchise my gyms. Like I, I wasn't quite sure how the opportunity would play out. And, you know, that's one of the reasons I fought so much with the producers and the executives because that show did not intend to change lives. They intended to humiliate people. And then myself and... Bob, the other trainer on the show, ended up having these people lose a ton of weight. And then they all of a sudden were like, oh, wow, I wonder if maybe we're an inspirational show. And they changed their tune. But that that was not their initial intention. And it was a real like, Ugh. Still worth it? If, if I hadn't done it, I wouldn't be talking to you now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's a really interesting thing. Oh, Yeah. And it's like, there's a great quote in, I think it's a Latin quote, but I don't, I don't know what the hell it is in Latin, but it's that which nourishes me also destroys me. Yeah. And that show, like it gave me so much, but it also hurt me so much in so mm. many ways. And it definitely created a glass ceiling that has been very difficult to penetrate. And it was interesting because recently I was working with um, a company who, who shall remain unnamed because they're, they're actually really cool people, but... They were helping me promote my app and um, they're like, we're doing this new thing where we profile people and what have you and it's this big thing and um, we're going to profile you and profile the app and you come to your house and shoot the kids and this and that. And I was like, all right. And the, oh my God. So the first thing I read is the queen of mean. And I just, I called uh. and I was like, okay, I have kids who go to your platform I, you know, I'm reading for a cartoon character for DreamWorks for my kids right now. Like, cause you know, you change as a mom. I'm like, yeah. I haven't been on Loser in five and a half years. Please take this down. Take it down. And they were like, oh my God, we're so sorry. And they took it down. But yeah. like, that's the kind of stuff. And believe me, it, it hurts you. So when there are opportunities for things that you want to do, that initial, the people that never actually watched the show, that just saw the screaming trailers, were like, oh, that bitch, God, I hate her. And it, it, it limits how far you can get. Isn't it so, I find in music as well. Uh, Do you? No, no. So in music, you have the uber popular. Okay. Which sometimes isn't the coolest. And then you have the super cool, which isn't always the most popular. Right. And both secretly really want to be the other one. Right. Right. So if you have like a big hit on the radio, people are like, ah, that shit's like uh, pop music, super pop, no respect, too pop. But but then I'll have conversations, you know, in LA, like tons of musicians you hang out with, and you can see they're like, oh man, how do I get on the radio? Right, <laughs> like we all just want yeah. what the other one is. I hit. So so 
it's still I, I still think it's worth it to take steps take lumps and just like keep moving forward. But see, like then this would be my question. The smartest, though. the smartest Isn't, steps you can take. Yeah. But you're so successful, and wouldn't that be because your music is authentic? Sure. And see, my thing is. But it was it was a very calc- like it was an interesting move to go on that show, Dancing with the Stars was an interesting choice. And why did you make that choice? Because I had like six songs on the radio, and people didn't know my face. Wow, really? Yeah, they're like, oh, uh, you'd go. Have you heard Andy Graham? They'd be like, no. Have you heard Keep Your Head Up? Yeah. Have you heard Honey I'm Good? Yeah, you're back. Yeah, yeah. Like the answer would be yes, but they didn't know my face. And so, and it was tied in as well with my mom loved that show. Oh, she like okay. loved that show. Yeah. So I, I, I did it because it was still coming from an authentic place of yeah. like, I'm going to go on this dancing show and dance, which is hilarious. I'm going to like get through my mom's, <laughs> I'm going to grieve through dance right now. That's <laughs> So <laughs> which is the cute. most ridiculous statement that's ever happened but then even going further into like so then we do a dance which is so the fact that the, these words are coming out are so ridiculous but, but can we, you dance though? no bullshit no i'm super competitive okay okay i am so you very to competitive dance. so i would stay late and i would really try to figure it out wow but you do you know the the, the balance of the sacred and the unsacred would be like we did this dance to like say goodbye to my mom oh. and then you have these judges at the end are like, uh, I didn't, you, you know. <laughs> I didn't feel it. I didn't feel it. <laughs> You're like, okay, what the hell? What the fuck is happening right now? You know? But overall, it was like a really um, personally and professionally, I mean, now people, there, a lot more people know me because of that show. But what about like YouTube? When they know you because these kids play they do, music they, they on do, YouTube? They kind of do, but it was like a really big plot. I mean, so many people watch that show. I, I think right now there's like so few places where wow. everybody goes. Okay. I, I think that we all, as a, as a community, one of, the, one of the cool things that we all have our own niches, but one of the things we lack and really desire is this sense of like an overall community. Yeah, you're not right? wrong. And so Absolutely. I think sports does that. Fitness. I think for better Fitness or worse, whether you hate him, whether you love him, whatever, Trump does that. Ugh. Which is, let's not go there. I don't want to go there uh, at all. Let's not. Let, let me rewind that. But what, what, but what he does is it's like a plot point that we at least all can go like, we all are in, in one's place. Rather than like, it's hard to even talk about a show right now. Yeah. You're like, oh, I love this show. Have you seen it? It's like, where the hell do you see that? Yeah. I don't even know where to go to oh find that. God, do I have to get an right. account to like do that? That's so, so true. It's just this desire. Aggregating an audience totally. is so, so difficult So for me, now. that was that show was like a plot point to get, to get everybody together. And now... Uh, now it's about figuring out like okay how do I um, how do I have you unlearn some of the things you might think about me that's right? been the story you of Mary, my career post loser we also went to Northridge I oh. went to Northridge as well and it's a side note go ahead no, did yeah. you really yeah totally oh my god alright wait what would you want people to unlearn about you um I think my thing is that I'm always just posted as the happy guy oh wow okay right I got it and no one's just happy like no. there's tons yeah. of other like no no no, no right and yeah, and no. I not even if you were mainlining and like one of Xanax. my favorite thing one no. of the reasons I'm doing this podcast like my favorite thing is like is to get deep like that's my favorite but happy can sometimes be seen as trite wow so that's like one of my things to try to go after is that's like so interesting yeah. why do you think people think that like have you seen evidence of that because like that's not how I perceive mm, you inter- very interesting. Um, nor does by the way like I mean I, there's a host of people in my life as I said yeah. like I've got people from all different walks of life I've got a 28 year old assistant who's black I got a you know a 
35-year-old partner who's a lesbian white chick. I got a 28-year-old brother who's Mexican and Arab. And, like, they all know you. None of them, so I would think. It's fascinating. You know, you know my I business think, partner, 43, yeah. Puerto Rican and Italian guy, like, also doesn't. I think, think I'm a little bit extra sensitive. I try to beat people to the punch. Interesting. About it. Because mechanism. I've always, um, I'm a really spiritual dude. I don't drink alcohol. I don't. Right. I've been that way in high school. I was the designated driver. Wow. So I'm like always trying to beat you to the punch. But, like, but, but I'm not like someone that you can't relate to. Like I, right. I still get it. Yeah, right? I got don't, it. I don't want to lose you right now. If I tell you that I waited until marriage to have sex, I don't want to lose you. Wow. Like I got to tell you some weird shit that we like kind of did so that you don't like run away. <laughs> Really? <laughs> like that's my that's one of my things that I deal with. Especially. Oh, how inch God, yeah. that's interesting. Yeah. Um See, I would think that makes you that much more sensitive. And then I would wonder, like, God, why is this guy so sensitive? Totally. And then you talk about your mom. Yeah. But I haven't heard you mention your dad. Oh, my dad's awesome. Your yeah. dad is awesome. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. I like to start with my mom because that's my biggest um hole. Oh. Right? Like I think that one of the ways you can get in with people is to share something that will like never be okay. Yeah, no. Right? And you go there and then it helps kind of open it up. My dad is just light upon light. He's fantastic. Really? Yeah. Oh, I want to, okay, I want to go back and ask you. Yeah. Because now you have a whole media company and all this craziness. Try to. Have you heard about like uh, Walt Disney? He like wrote, <laughs> he, uh, he like had a napkin and he just like wrote out how they were all going to fit into each other. And I remember hearing about it and be like, what the, f- seriously? <laughs> you just like, you wrote, you had, you just saw it all? Was, can you please tell me that's oh what God, that's no. not how it went for you so um, I can feel okay about myself? You know what? It's a different time though. And you and I were just talking about this. Like when I was younger, the world was a certain way and you did things a certain way. Um, and I can only look at like I had modeled my career after pe- women who'd built brands, right? So who had the ultimate brand? There was Oprah. There was Martha. There was Rachel Ray. There was Susie Orman. There was Maria Shriver. And you're looking at, okay, this one is to money, what I can be to fitness. This one is to food, what I can be to fitness. This one is to lifestyle, what I can be to fitness. This one is to home, what I can be to fitness. And that was what Jillian Michaels was going to be, to health and happiness, wellness and fitness. And, you know, those women didn't even get their career going until they turned 40. Now, you're done by 35. You're done. You're as a woman, you're done. They're like, okay, you're out. You're done. You know, luckily for me, I get to kind of rely on I'm the OG, you know, so (laughs) I get to kind of play in the sandbox with a lot of these Instagram kids and, you know, try to help give them a platform and they keep you relevant in the way Madonna used to do songs with the Britney Spears and go on stage with Drake. And, you know, she knew like, hey, the young kids are where it's at. Like, I get that. I show them respect. They show me mutual respect. But I had thought it was going to be that kind of trajectory in traditional media. And along the way, traditional media died. You know, Oprah, you're talking about aggregating an audience. Think about this. Like, yes, she's Oprah. And, you know, she's phenomenally talented. But, you know, there were four channels on TV. There was no internet. There were no cell phones. There was no BuzzFeed, Facebook, Instagram, there was not the ability to watch a thousand shows right now and every show that's ever been on TV yeah. at the push of a button. There were four shows and of four, she was the best. Okay. Yeah. So nowadays, that's just not going to work. So you're right. It's like, how do you 
aggregate an audience and build a business and it's all shifting over to digital and then digital is like quicksand. But you've done a lot of it. Like I'm, I'm looking at all these different things you've done. You like, how do you, we do, wh- where do you, where did you a lot get of failures? Where though. did you get the, uh, like, did you write growing up? Um, I was always a good writer. I do like to write. My mom is a good writer. That's the only thing that I'm. Were you scared to write a book? No, I had so much to say. And I knew that, like, I'm not good with grammar and format. No pun intended. Um, I, I, you know, English as a language, I still spell your. Of course. (laughs) Like, you are Y-O-U-R. You are, forget it. You see what I'm saying? Like, I get all that wrong. But I knew that I would just hire, you you hire a ghostwriter to go in and put everything in the right format and clean it up. But I wrote the books. A few books that are that are more based in medicine had a co-writer, okay, um, and contributors that were doctors and what have you. Um, but I had so much to say that it didn't really intimidate me. And you end up failing so much that you start to feel immune to it. Totally, this is like such a thing. I think the biggest sink or swim in Los Angeles in artists, artists, music, like anybody, fitness people, is this barrier to start acting, and that's what I'm. Fa- it, what I'm seeing when I look down your rap sheet, I'm like, is she never scared to just go do something? Is that, is that always been that way? Not really. Are there things you can help the rest of us with? You know what it is? I read this great quote the other day that actually um, uh, a ballet dancer and a yogi, I, I happen to um, think is fabulous. Her name's Jessie Golden. She posted it, uh, this thing and she was like, if you, you know, all you really need are like just a couple times in life where you can have 20 seconds of insane courage mm. just just like maybe three or four times and i thought god that's true like just these these brief moments of insane courage if you can muster up the insane courage it's going to make all the difference and whether you fail at least you go all right well you know what wow look at me like all right I, well to make I, us I all feel chance. better i'm gonna need to hear some failures i need there's to so hear. many what do you got oh my god do you have like an ice cream line that didn't uh, work out or something every solo television <laughs> project didn't work out okay um god i mean that was the biggest that really has been the biggest uh mm. but oh my god i've had massive jesus massive business mistakes like scandals um so then is there uh is there anything that you are you immune to it? Do you like so one, once you know that it didn't work? The stuff that hurts you is the stuff that's not true. That's the part that is really hard to I take. I would you know what's so funny to me? I I have this this saying that and I say And people always believe it. To me, I think the thing that hurts the most to me is is the stuff that is true. Like wow. criticism to me only hurts when it's true. Really? Totally. If if because people will like tweet uh, if I do like some you know I sang the national anthem at like the World Series and they'll <laughs> they'll tweet like lip syncing. <laughs> but that's not true. That doesn't hit me. I, I'm fine. What are you crazy? Yeah, I, I just I won't even respond to that. That doesn't. Oh, see, that pisses me. That pisses you off. That, that hurt, upsets me to no end. That doesn't hurt my feelings because it's just bullshit. Yeah, but the people only time, believe it. The only time that you're gonna actually hit me, they believe it and it does damage. If say I missed a note at the end. And someone goes like, miss that note at the end. Then I'm like, oh, that one hurts. <laughs> really? <laughs> that shit's true. You got me. See, got that's when I would be like, Ouch. I'd be like, I know, dude, I didn't sleep last night. I'm going to get it next time. But the one, but the fake stuff really. Because they believe it. Like I, I will never forget. I can give you like at least three instances. One, we, I've always been a supplement person. Sure. I'm big into supplements. Like any way that I can get an edge 
I can get a little bit more, I'm going to take it. So whether it's like turmeric shots for anti-aging or beetroot pills for better stamina or like fat burner, but like I take natural stuff. Yeah. So I had said like, oh, I want to do a line of fat burners. And it was all like Gouda Cola and green coffee and like organic everything. And it was blowing up. This is years and years and years ago. Yeah. It was blowing off the shelves. It was doing so well. And our competitors filed three class action lawsuits against me. They were all dismissed. But they were like, oh, she's a fake. She's a fraud. She says you can eat cake and never gain weight. The products are killing people. And my Q score, you know what your Q score is, right? Your popularity score. I had a 25. Like, I mean, right up there with like Ellen and Rachel Ray. And they were talking to me about a daytime show on NBC. This whole thing happened, destroyed the products, didn't get the daytime show. My Q score never recovered. It's been 15 ever since. Mm. And the products were totally organic, totally clean. Like all the suits were dismissed. It was all fake. We were able to put, do you think anyone ever printed that? And to this day, people will remember like, oh yeah, her and her fake pills. Or another one, the Huffington Post printed that I said pregnancy ruins a body or that I thought they said Jillian Michaels thinks, because I never said it. That's how they get away with that kind uh. of crap, right? Thinks pregnancy ruins a body. When in truth, I, I was like not sure how to say that I had PCOS, because I, I hadn't come out about it yet or hadn't come out about being gay. So, I don't know what that means. Um, it's called polycystic ovarian syndrome. It's hard to get pregnant, basically. Got it. Okay. And so at the time, again, this is what I get for not being truthful and totally secure. I was insecure about it. And I thought like, well, God, if I, you know, if I tell people about this, are they going to think I'm a fraud? Like I'm not really healthy or I wouldn't have these Uh. issues. And so I was like, you know, I just don't know. And I I was like, I just don't know that I, I can, I can handle going through the process. And I meant of like fertility treatments or whatever. And they spun it. Seven. You're welcome. You're welcome. (laughs) You're always welcome. Stop mama. Stop it, big girl. Um, Mind you, 11 year old dog. (laughs) About 20 pounds. I think she's Cujo. And it was also so extremely damaging. And no one ever printed like, hey, she never said that. Hey, that's not true. Mm. Hey, she's, you know, it's a fertility thing. Hey, no one. And again, to this day. Yeah, that's super frustrating. People will think like that I I said that, which really harms moms who are afraid of being pregnant. And oh my God, I mean. Dude, and, and I walked out on Katie Couric's show once and I ripped her apart. I walk out and it's a whole show about adoption, right? And I'm so excited to talk about adoption. And it, it's like there are 100,000 kids in this country alone who've had their parental rights terminated. Like, let's talk about it. There's so much misinformation that I didn't know when I, you know. I walk out and the, they play a clip from Biggest Loser. No idea why. It has nothing to do with, I wasn't even on Biggest Loser at the time. And Katie Kirk goes, God, I think we know what kind of mother you are. And I tore her to shreds. Wow. I lost my mind. And I was like, how fucking dare you? How dare you say that to me? And I, I was like, do you stop and ask a doctor if he cuts their kid's heart open at night? When If he does open heart surgery during the day? Like, you have no yeah. idea what and I do. And it wasn't flippant. You have no idea what... No, she was just being a bitch. Wow. And I was like, you have no idea what I do. You have no idea why I do what I do. And you have no idea what kind of mother I am. And they cut the whole thing out. They just cut it out. <laughs> yeah, they cut the whole thing out of the show. But it's like, 
that kind of stuff. stuff. Really. And then people are like, oh, she abuses her kids. And it's like, really? So, but it, say uh, before it all starts, someone lays it all out for you and they go like, okay, there's going to be a large people. Uh, there's going to be some people that think you're bullshit. Yeah. But there's going to be a whole other uh, group of people that you're going to help in this intense way. You go like, <sighs> still, let's do it. I would do it. Right. I would. But the part about this stuff that's so harmful is that it damages the relationship with the people that I help. Mm-hmm. So the women that I would speak to about getting back in shape after pregnancy and that I would want to give encouragement to now think I said pregnancy ruins a body and I, I can't help them now. Yeah, and in fact, I've scared them, it's, even though I never said it. So it's like this bizarre betrayal where it damages your relationship with the people. Yeah. Mama, what? Seven. Stop it. I actually wanted to get, because uh, I was, last night we were playing a show and Welshie was talking about you. First of all, Welshie is our tour manager. Yeah, right. Which is really great. That's how, that's the link here. <laughs> well, and, shit. Uh, he was telling me well, about. Well, shit, come here, buddy. Well, shit. Well, he was telling me about how he'd go to events with you and then there would be these these people that would come up to you that have lost 100 pounds because of you. Oh, and can you tell me like, People always ask me a similar question, but there's nowhere to go with like, how does that feel? I'm not going to ask you that. No, no, no. I, I, what I want to know is like, can yeah. you tell me a story that, that stands out for you? Well, first I would clarify. Have you ever had, and I'm sure you have, someone come up to you and tell you how much your music has moved them? It's the best feeling in the world. Okay. I remember I got to meet, you know, when I was a kid, I got to meet Tori Amos. And I, I walked in and her music had been with me like in the darkest times, yeah. right? When I was a teenager, divorce and the whole thing, little earthquakes and... I walked in that room and everything that I had wanted to tell, I just immediately started crying. <laughs> and I, ne- I, I never know. do that, you know? And, and she, I was like, oh shit. And like, I, couldn't, yeah. I could not stop crying. And I was like, oh no, no. And she was like, what's your name? <laughs> right? And I was like, Jillian. And I mean, and I just was like, your music has free. I couldn't stop it. It was like, it just brought me back to all that stuff. And she like, she gave me a hug and she just said, you know, like your message has been received. Like I heard you, I've heard what you needed to tell me and it meant everything to me. And so when, when people come up to me and they talk about how I have participated in a journey, um, through some part of their lives where they've overcome obstacles, I make it very clear they know that they did the work, right? That they just utilized the projects that I put in the world to do so and that I'm very honored to be a part of that journey. Like, you make your music because you love music, right? Like, I do what I do because I love what I do. If you save yourself with it, that's on you, right? Like, if they take your song and it gets them through one of the darkest nights, like, they found a tool to cope and deal and get better. And so I make that really clear because they have to own that accomplishment because it is that accomplishment, right? That transforms. Can you think of someone specific? There there have been a lot of people. um, I particularly like the stories that aren't even necessarily about weight loss. Yeah. Like the ones that come up to you and they're, they left a dead end relationship. You know, like I was just in Norway and uh, we were at some bar in Tromso, which is like the North pole. I mean, like hardcore Santa's village, kind of yeah. like, I mean, the North Pole. And um, the bartender was, I want to say it wasn't Russia. I wish I got, oh my God, I can't believe it. Like Eastern Bloc. And uh, she told me a story about how 
you know, she had like found my Facebook and my stuff on YouTube and had like started working out and had left her abusive husband and had escaped with her sister to Norway and was delivering papers in the middle of the night and like 10 below and like this incredible. And I was just like, the time she was done telling me the story, I was in tears, but I was like, I'm so honored to have just been a part, like somewhere along the way in your journey, like one little crutch amongst many others that you used, you know, to get yourself from A to B. And so it's just, that part gives you meaning, right? Like Freud said, you have two buckets of meaning and purpose in your life, family, friends, family and friends, and work. And you really got to have that meaning in both. And that gives the work that meaning, right? And work with purpose is passion. Work without purpose is just flat out punishment. Punishment. That's that's the purpose. It's awesome. Uh, I also want to, like you brought up already, but uh, I I, I do think there's this, like, when we die, we go somewhere great. We all go to heaven or whatever. And then there's like a VIP section. (laughs) Which is for uh, people who have adopted. I sincerely, I believe that. I don't know. I don't know do if I'm. Do you? I do. I don't know if I'm called to it, but it seems like you the, have to be called to it. It seems like it's the biggest service that you could. I can't think of a bigger it's not. service. I it's know not. you think it is. Okay, yeah. It's t- not. Tell me. And tell me about it. If you think it's a service, don't do it. Okay. Um, it's forgive me if it sniffles. I'm so sorry. I'm constantly like snotting in your microphone. Yeah. Just the picture of health again. Once again, <laughs> um, hacking dogs barking. Yeah. Um, no, that's very, you want to talk about serendipity. That was serendipitous. So uh, to be honest with you, I didn't really growing up. I never thought I was even going to have kids. I didn't, Mm. didn't want kids. Wasn't something I thought about, cared about. I was very kind of career driven and very like me focused. I just, you know, I take care of me. I'm the best caretaker of me and I don't need kids. I certainly don't need to like duplicate myself. I'm short, hairy, I had a big nose, crooked teeth and acne. <laughs> don't need, I don't need to make another me. There was nothing about me that I was like, I need to see yeah. me again. No, I just didn't need it. And um, so we ended up, Heidi, my partner and I had just started dating. So this was quite a while ago because we've been together like 10 years. So it might be a year. No, nine. Sorry, nine years. We've been together, and this was like maybe a year into our relationship. And we were on vacation in Africa, and I was about 35, 36 at the time. I'm 43 now. So I had just done a show where I was moving in with families, and uh, I moved into this one household with like a nine-year-old girl who was the coolest kid. Mind you, show didn't work, but... I was making lunches with this kid and what have you. And I was like, God, you know what? Maybe I'm missing something. Like maybe I'm missing the point, (laughs) you know? And I thought, but all right. Not just something. Yeah. Like Like it. Like it. Yeah. Like maybe I'm like, maybe. Yeah. Like maybe I'm going to get to the end of my life and not think I wish I'd spent more days at the office. So it, it like cracked something in me. And I was, that made me open. But I didn't, you know, I was just kind of like, what the, I was thrown. You're like, what is that about? So kind of like the first time I kissed a girl and I was like, I am not gay, but what the fuck is that about? You know, you're like, you're not there yet, but you know, something is different. Yes, yes. And so I was like, all right, this is so weird. So we go to Africa and we were supposed to be rafting the Zambezi and jumping off bridges. And to make a long story short, we almost died in the Zambezi, climbed out a rapid 10 and 
we had the afternoon free and there was an orphanage across the street from the place we were staying. And our, our guide, I was like, what is that across the way? And he's like, oh, it's an orphanage. And I was like, we have a whole afternoon. I'm like, you want to go get like some school supplies and just drop them off? So we were going to go to get some toys and they took us to go get like pencils and paper and whatever and underwear and socks and whatever for the kids and just, you know, drop it off. We're going to drop it off and beat it back to the hotel and lay up by the pool and get a drink. And this little girl in a pink dress comes around the corner and she must have been two or three and both Heidi and I both died. We died. We died inside instantaneously. The little girl's name was Esther and the country was Zambia and you cannot for reasons that are a completely different show and very upsetting and unfortunate, you cannot adopt from Zambia. So we did everything we could. We were like, oh my God, you know, this is, we're supposed to do this. Oh my God, this is a, and it became an impossibility. We sponsored her education and whatever. And to make a long story short, after being very upset, we both said like, hey, maybe we're, okay, so I guess maybe we're supposed to adopt. Cool. And we began that process for about two years and we started in the Congo and got nowhere. And there was a whole gay people can't adopt. And we got booted out of Ethiopia and the whole thing. So finally, after two years, Heidi was like, I can't deal with this anymore. And we'd been together now like three, three and a half years. And she's like, I'm just going to get pregnant. I can't, I can't take this anymore. And I was like, you know what? I guess. Okay. Awesome. Get pregnant. So, she found out that Haiti had been open for adoption and I had had a connection to Haiti for, I was like, all right, whatever, if it works, awesome. Cause I, I went there when I was 27 yeah. and I was like, maybe. So to make a long story short, we get matched with the kid and the next day Heidi came downstairs and said, I'm pregnant. Oh my God. <laughs> we got two kids. At the same time. At the same time. Oh, That's crazy. Um, and so like, but that whole situation, like even the kid we got matched with wasn't the right kid. They ended up saying no, but we got all the way to Haiti to meet. And then that's where we found Lou. And cool. that was just meant to be. What's her name? Her name's Lucencia. Lucencia. Um, and apparently it means the bringer of the light in Latin, I guess. So awesome. we just call her Lou Ball. Lou. Lou Ball. Lou Ball. My daughter's name's Louis. So Are you sweet. kidding? Yeah, that's really How sweet. bizarre. So nuts. Lou. Yeah, so That's Lou and awesome. Phoenix and two monsters. and So sweet. And you kind of are like, okay. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not quite sure where you're at, you know, at five months. I know where I was at with two kids that were that young. And I was like, oh, my God. You know, you're exhausted. Yeah, I'm so tired. It's grueling. It's really hard. But you kind of, like, I had to take my son for this procedure that we were talking about this morning. We had to get tubes in his ears. I was there two and a half years ago when they took out his tonsils and his adenoids. And I said to Heidi this morning, I'm like, my God, he's a different kid. Like, they just, they grow, they grow up, up. You know, crazy. they wipe their own butt. They have complete adult conversations with you at five. They're funny as hell. I mean, they're just a <laughs> ton of fun. And like, for me personally, like, I enjoy them more and more and more every day. Whereas moms are like hit with this Mack truck of love the minute they give birth. And it's like, stays that way. For me personally, and a lot of the guys I talk to it tends to, to grow yeah. even more. And I just find that like, I look at them and I'm like, God, wow, I actually like you guys. Yeah. It's kind of amazing. You're kind of enjoyable. <laughs> I kind of like you Man. guys a lot. Who knew? So cool. I have a couple questions that are what I, when I'm just in normal situations yeah. and I want to try and slyly take the conversation a little bit deeper. Yeah. These, these are my favorite. Sure. So you don't, as long or as short as you want to be. No go. Uh, what's the most spiritual experience you've ever had? 
Um, I was very close with my grandmother and uh, I'm very undecided about, you know, what comes next. I believe in science and parallel universes and quantum mechanics and as far as that can take me. Sure. You know, but beyond that, I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay, sure, whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I was very, very close with my grandmother. She died when I was 10 and I never got to say goodbye and I was tortured by it. Okay. Um, I was 27 just getting fired from ICM. Sick. So depressed, broke, had no idea what I was going to do with my life, you know, scraping up change out of my couch to like put gas in the car kind of a thing. And I had, I literally never dreamt about my grandma. And we always had this thing. It was like, I'll send you a sign if I can send you a sign. 17 years, oh. nothing, right? What you talked to her about, she says, once I die. If I, yeah, when I die. I love this. If I this can is give you favorite. a sign, I'll give you a sign. Nothing. Zero. Nothing. Did you talk about what the sign was going to be? No. And I mean, and I would say like, why don't I even dream about her? Like, why don't I even see her in my dreams? Like never fell asleep on the couch. And all of a sudden I'm, I'm in my mom's apartment and you know how dreams are like, there was a gazelle and it turned into a jet plane and then we flew to Maui and then, you know, no, it wasn't like that at all. It was like, I'm in my mom's apartment and my mom and my grandmother had unfinished business and I'm walking down the, following my mom and she's walking towards her bedroom and she sort of peels off towards her office and I look down the hallway into my mom's room and there's somebody putting things away. And I walk into the room and my grandmother turns around and looks at me and smiles and it was like, I mean, the pencil on eyebrows, like, forgive me, she'd be so pissed. But like, I mean, it was her, flat out. Like, it was her. And I became hysterical in the dream, crying. And she was like, you know, she's, we had a very long conversation, but I woke up remembering only that she like said to me, we see each other every day. Like I'm, I'm always with you, <laughs> but here's what's fascinating about that. Right. So I wake up hysterical crying. I call my mom <laughs> and I'm like, I saw grandma. She's okay. And I was trying to process how that would be possible. Right. Like, what does she mean? And now that I really listen to like a lot of astrophysicists and there is no such thing as time in a linear fashion. Like what is happening now is also simultaneously happening 10 years ago. Like sure. it's, it's proven. It's a fact. So I'm like, we are currently living in those moments right now together and potentially an infinite amount of universes together in different incarnations. Mm. And that's what current science tells us, right? So, but that I didn't know at 27. I was like, what does she mean? But she was like, our relationship never ends. Like we're together every day, constantly, all the time. And I was immediately at peace and I knew <clears throat> that was it. I was like, I'll never... <clears throat> see her again in in this life. Like I won't dream about her again. I knew it and I haven't 43. It's been 16 years. I haven't, but I was immediately at peace. And I mean, I was, she's tattooed on my leg. Oh I my was goodness. tortured, tortured, tortured. It's really, there's a sweet analogy that I grew up with that. Um, I believe you, that there's something else. You go somewhere else after, right? right. But it's really close to this place. The best analogy would be that the a baby in the womb yeah. is kind of like it's kind of in this world, but they're in their own zone. Yeah. But there's like a thin layer. They're, they are in this world, but there's like a thin layer. Another dimension. Another dimension. But they're they're like really that close. But if to you, you. want to get crazy with it, yeah. string theory suggests right that you have like eleven different dimensions. But now I heard arguably there are fourteen. Cool. Fourteen different dimensions. We got three more. That's good. Yeah, and it's important. I mean, and then there was a guy. There was a <laughs> neurosurgeon. Yeah. 
who wrote a book, and I, for the life of me, I can't remember the name of it, but it was massively popular. It was a huge bestseller, and he, he died. He was in, his brain was dead, and he had this incredible, um, incredible experience in this coma and wrote a whole book about it. And he believes kind of what you're talking about, that he was in these like parallel dimensions, like right on top of this one. Mm. And that he, he kind of thinks that maybe dark matter or dark energy is that. Interesting. Because you know, oh. it can't be detected. It can't be seen. And yet something is there, right? Yeah, we know it's pushing out you know, the universe in, in, in an infinite expansion. Yeah. I don't know. We can bore the hell yeah, out yeah. of your listeners. That was, good. This, but, like, I, that was actually... But, I, so this yeah. is this is my whole my favorite thing about even just doing this. Like, I've never met you before, and you're I I now consider you a homie for life. After you telling that story, like I really appreciate that. That's so so sweet. Okay, uh, another thing I'll ask is uh, it can be a dad or parents in okay. general. Like once I knew that I was gonna have a daughter, yeah. I asked every woman that I met, I'd be like, "Can you tell me one thing that your dad did awesome and one thing he didn't do so good?" Okay, my dad. <sighs> um. He was a drug addict. Okay. So he didn't, he didn't, uh, and you know what? Just was. He just was. I, you know, people self-medicate. I look at it now and I, I feel like I understand a lot of the things that happened and why he was so broken and, um, and then how much worse it got, you know, with opioids. Well, Like Oxycontin and things like that. Is he around? He is. None of us speak to him. Got it. We don't, my brother doesn't talk to him. I don't talk to him. My little sister doesn't talk to him. Neither of the moms talk to him because I have a stepmother. So they're my half siblings. My mom doesn't talk to him. Um, one of the things that he did great is a couple, two things. Everything was always like, yeah, you'll be fine. Which he wasn't telling me that like my feelings didn't matter. He was saying, you'll be fine. Like, you'll be okay. You'll land on your feet. And, and I believed him. Whoa. And I did. I did. I do. <laughs> you know, and my mom, on the other hand, is very like anxious and panicky. That's why I was telling you earlier with Heidi. I'm like, yeah. do not let him see you freak out when my son had his tubes put in because I'm like, you'll scare him. Yeah. I was like, buddy, we're going to be totally fine. Don't panic until I say panic. Meanwhile, vomiting in the back of my of car. Course. But nevertheless, he's still fine. He's fine. Just puking. Fine. Um, And that helped a lot. And he was a ton of fun. He cool. was like a crazy lunatic with the adventures like everything is like his name was Doug Doug stories and so I want my kids to have that sort of crazy bizarre like running with scissors kind of childhood where they're funny and interestingly dysfunctional but not so dysfunctional that they can't have love or hold down a job of course so but he was nuts I mean he was out of his mind and so you have these like bizarre crazy adventures that make your life interesting and unique cool um What's awesome about money? What's terrible about money? Freedom. Money is freedom. It's 100% get fucked money, right? Fuck you money. That's money. Money is freedom. Um, what's terrible about money is the things it makes people do to each other. It's just fucking, it is the root of all evil. It really is. Like greed beyond it's comprehension. It's freedom and the root of all evil. It's, right? <laughs> it's, it's freedom for the individual but if it warps you into a place of taking more than you need, mm. then it's it's just darkness. And that's like, I look at modern day business and I just can't believe the things. It's like, we no longer have the rape, pillage, and plunder in its classic sense of the word. There's like no more Genghis Khan and Alexander the Great and what have you. 
but there are like titans of industry and they are fucking monsters. Mm. I mean, I have looked evil in the eye. I am telling you. It's pretty gnarly. Jesus. I mean, like just like, I mean, evil. I've looked evil in the eye in that business and it is just yeah. for money. Like would ruin your entire life, would ruin your family. Just for more money. More money, yeah. It's crazy. What's the biggest myth you believed about yourself that you've been able to overcome? Like in your story, like we all have our idea of, of who we are. Yeah, okay. I would say that I've started to learn this recently. I, I like thought that I was a pretty tough guy. Like nothing much phased me, that I was pretty tough and enduring and like a fighter. And <clears throat> recently I've started responding to things very differently, you know, and like sh shit just hurts my feelings. Like that person who wrote that article, right? Oh, the queen of mean. Like normally I would be like, I'd, you know, lose my shit and be pissed and like whatever. And like that person's dead to me dead and I don't care. And what, <laughs> you know, it's like ice that person out, done, yeah. moving on. Like yeah. you don't phase me, whatever. And instead I like wrote an email and I said, I was like, I just don't understand why you did this. I, I literally did. I like, I was in tears. I was like, why am I crying oh, about this? My goodness. But I was like, I don't understand. I was so lovely to you. You were in my home. Like, why would you say this? Yeah. Like, I would get it if you were selling a gossip rag. Like, of course the guy never replied. But like that really, like that just, that is not who I have been my entire life. But for some reason, I'm in this place now where I'm just like, God damn, like you really fucking hurt me, my feelings. Whoa. Yeah. And I, I was like, and it just, I guess I wasn't, I felt like I was sucker punched. Cause I was like, wait a second. Like I, you know where to expect it, you know, where you're like, all right, I know this person's going to play the gotcha game and you're prepared. But like this, I, was, I just, and I thought we were forging this great relationship with this company and it just. Gotcha. Oh my God. Messed oh, that's me up. interesting. That that's kind of cool. Like, no, 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 I mean, I mean, we'll cool, see. No, like, I think it's cool that you are. Ah, um, uh, there's something interesting about it that you're open to feeling for the first time, like allowing myself to be vulnerable in that way, and like, like there's admit something that I've been hurt because normally I'm like, no, nah, you can't even touch me. To me, that's you're so insignificant. Yeah, you mean nothing to me, and and that used to be like how I would handle it. I was yeah. like, no, yeah. you're like fucking nothing. I don't even see you. I don't even hear you. I didn't even know you were there. Yeah. That's a blip. Wait, I forgot we even did that interview. And instead, I was like, I just don't know why this happened. I thought we had a lovely lunch. Like, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I was so upset. Okay, what is, um, what's a habit that you know is bad, but you do still? I swear like a sailor, but I don't know deep down <laughs> if, if you don't I agree with really it. believe that it's bad. Okay. Like, I believe name calling is bad. Like, my son, I'm like, bud, my daughter won't swear. She's a goody two-shoes like Heidi. But my son, I'm like, all right, look, can't say stupid. You can't say dumb. And you cannot call names. But I'm like, if you want to swear around me, like, I don't give a fuck. Say yeah. whatever you want. Because, yeah. like, I remember my parents being so hypocritical. Like, the, you know, we don't do drugs and we don't do them finding out, you know, that all of it was bullshit. The whole childhood was uh. a lie. And so, like, you know, I'm like, look, you go to school, you say this stuff, you're going to get in trouble. You go to so-and-so's house, you say it, you know, you're going to get sent home. They're not going to go over for a play day. Like, it has its consequences. But when you're around me, like, I don't know, if you want to express yourself however you choose to, like, I don't care. And he, oh, my God, he fucking cracks me up. Like, he literally will just say shit, like... It, and he knows exactly how to use the word. Like he has this fake cooking 
chef set that he loves and he cut his finger and he was like motherfucker this fake knife just cut me mom and i Died. fell yeah. on the ground crying laughing <laughs> crying laughing and it's like i shouldn't but like i find that it ex- i feel so much more like it's expressing what i want to express like it's a stress reliever. Like I can justify it every yeah. which way from Sunday and I can't, I can't seem to quit. I can't, Amazing. I've tried, I can't do it. Just a couple more and then we're done. No. You're, you're so awesome. No, I I'm having a you. great time. Okay. Thank you for- uh, what's your, if you had to say what your superpower was, like, like what I would wish it was or no, what no, it no, actually no, like is. Like what it is. We're sitting in a house. You clearly have been very successful. Like what do you have that, that has separated you? So like if there was, okay. a, if there was a superhero, Jillian Michaels, what is her superpower. thing? Superpower. I'm this. I just discovered very recently, though, that this can really like work against you. I'm really good at fixing things. Like, there is no no. You can't tell me it's broken. You can't tell me it won't work. You can't tell me you're broken. You can't tell me you can't. I'm like, no, no, no. Like, I can fix it. There's nothing I can't. But oh, you, you've never lost weight. I'll take a hundred pounds off of you. Yeah. Oh, you're in this deadbeat. I'll make you leave that guy. Oh, you've you. Know, Oh, the radio doesn't work? No, no, we can fix it. Like, there's just, I, I'm a fixer. And okay. I've, I've been very successful at fixing. But it's the same thing, right? It's that yin and yang. If you try to fix somebody that does not want to be fixed, they interpret it as criticism. And, you know, really having mm. to kind of, like, for me, it's love. Like, because no, no one ever tried to help me. Like, I wish people would step in and be like, you know what, sweetie, I'm watching you do this and here's what I think you're doing and how you're sabotaging. Yeah. And I I want that help and that, that I'm like, oh, you care. Like, you're paying attention and you see something I don't see and I can be better. Other people just interpret it as an attack. And it's what I know. It's like what I – I'm like, I'm good at this. Like, this is what I can offer you. Yeah. Like, this is my value. and. Plus, I'm like, if I can only help you, then I don't have to worry about you falling apart and then somehow uh, losing you down the road. So it's like, yeah, it's a superpower, but you know, you gotta you gotta learn to contain learn it. To like, use like it. X-ray vision. Yeah. You don't want to light Kids somebody up and disintegrate them. <laughs> you don't want to vaporize the person that you're trying to. You know. So Amazing. it's a double-edged sword. What do you do to restore your soul? Like when you're low, what's your go-to? Animals and family. Like we have a lot of animals. They rescue something. Go get something <laughs> from somewhere. Could be a rabbit. Like what? How, what do you tortoise, have? What do you actually have? A pig? A rabbit? You have a pig? Oh fuck yeah! I have a bit. Stella. It's, it's not here. She's at the farm. Shit. She's show you Stella. Stella. You have a pig? Okay, go oh, on. Yeah. A pig? A pig? A rabbit? Um, a giant desert tortoise? Seven horses? Holy crap! Fourteen chickens? Four ducks? A goose? A parrot? Three dogs? Did I say them? Two cats? Lots of fish. Some from a carnival, some that were feeder fish. When did you when did you realize this? Well, when Heidi wanted the farm, because she's a gardener, I was like, well, if we're gonna, if I have to do this, then you're gonna have to live with all these. Why? Why? Why does it? Why do these? I mean, I kind of get. I have two French bulldogs that are my favorite, and they're. But for you, it seems like extra. (laughs) You know what? (laughs) Like you're taking it farther than I would say is normal. I know, right? And I'm just interested in why. I love animals. Like I just there's a purity. Yeah. Right, there is no like corrupted by money. They don't totally. have that. You know, yeah. they love you unconditionally. I'm trying to find you, Stella, exercising, because she's gotten a little too tubby. So Heidi <laughs> has to take her out for her morning runs. Oh my god, here she is, um, getting her little jog on. Oh god, there. pigs are awesome. Um, 
They're super smart. I stopped eating bacon. It was heartbreaking. It's really brutal. For my wife's birthday a couple years ago, you can like rent piglets to come to your oh. house. It's by far the best thing I've ever done for my wife. Cute. Yes. Oh my God. They're this really is the best pig I've ever seen. Potty train, the whole thing. So good. They're really smart. They're just wicked intelligent. Yeah. yeah. Wow. But they're not like dogs. Like they can be kind of. So you'll actually just go hang with them, sit with them. She'll roll over on her on her back and let you scratch her stomach. Wow. She likes her her back of her ears scratched and her Amazing. little mohawk goes up because she's actually like a part wild boar. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we got Stella. And it just, there's something about it that makes me feel a little more in control. Like, some, you seem like a super sensitive guy. So I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if you'll get this. Do you ever, this is so dark, but do you ever look at the world and there's just so much pain and so much suffering? And if you really allow yourself to look, like, it will just, it will kill you. Yeah. And so there are times where I'm like, all right, I, I can't, like, I can't watch the news. I can't go to this part of the world. I can't, cause I can't defend against it. And I, I literally, like, when I, I feel like I see these people going over a waterfall and like, you can't save them, you know? But if you can go and like grab a dog out of the pound, like I got, I got one little, mm. one little, one little, I saved one or like one person that you could pull back from yeah. the abyss, you know, like. One person who lost 100 pounds or one person who left that abusive relationship or one person, it's like, yeah, it's one in, you know, a hundred million maybe, maybe a billion, but it's one. It's like that moment of like, you you made a difference. You had some sort of an impact. You're not totally helpless. Because yeah. in, in all honesty, for the most part, we are. Yeah. We're totally It might lead control. into the, my last question for you is just a, a basic like, why why are we here? Um, I can answer this one. I have an answer, okay. um, and I'm going to steal it from um, a guy named Viktor Frankl, who is one of the fathers of modern uh, psychology, and he wrote a book called Man's Search for Meaning, and he was a Holocaust survivor, wow. and uh, the whole book is basically like, why did some survive, how did some survive the death camps, and some didn't, and obviously the the point is that the ones who found a purpose, were able to bring a meaning to the devastation, were the ones who were able to endure. Whoa. And so I think the meaning of life is, is the meaning that you have to create and bring to each scenario. So, for example, Anne Frank's father found her diary and made it his mission to get it published and look at change the world. The rest of them died. Her, all her siblings, her mother, all of them died except him. And I mean, um, you look at John Walsh. I don't know if you know that story. He was uh, the father of Adam Walsh, a young boy who was brutally murdered. And he started something called America's Most Wanted. It was the longest running show on Fox. And he put thousands of rapists, child molesters, murderers behind bars with that show. Because he took these tragedies that we think would destroy us, right? Like just ruin us. And... They, they gave it a meaning to go on and so that that tragedy in one way or another would endure and it would bring a wisdom or a depth or an empathy or a love into the world that wasn't there before. And so I think whether it's your, your do-gooding that brings the wisdom, the depth, and the empathy or your tragedies that bring it, mm. either way it's what's going to give it meaning for you and then how your meaning will affect the rest of the world. So it's, it's got to be your own purpose that's kind of uniquely yours. Yeah. I love you. 
Oh, dang it. It's mutual. This is awesome. Thank you so much for being no, a part of it. No, thank you. I the appreciate best. it. Sick. I feel so, I feel so like Oprah. Who's Oprah? <laughs> Fuck Oprah. Andy for president. Oprah who? There you have it. Jillian Michaels. She's unbelievable. Oh, man. I really enjoyed spending some time with her. And I uh, hope you enjoyed it, too. Like always, please share, subscribe, tell a friend, rate it, comment on it. Um, and as far as all that texting stuff goes, if you follow me on Instagram, that's where I'm giving a lot of the information about it. So it's just at Andy Grammer on Instagram. Um, connect with me. I've been making a real effort. It's been so fun to get more intimately connected with all of you. And I'll see you guys soon. Next episode coming soon. <laughs> I literally just burped. My bad. Peace. your story but don't leave the good parts out